Thank you for joining us today for our River of Life podcast with Brother Bill Jenkins. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Now, let's join Brother Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Well, good morning, River of Life. Amen. Are y'all excited about being here today? Let me make sure I'm on. Is that light shining? I can't see over my belly. That's good. All right. We don't really know if we're on until the Lord shows up. Somebody say amen right there. I, uh, I want to take just a minute and thank this church for being who you are. I, uh, every one of you. I, I, when I see you on Wednesday night, most of you don't realize this. Ryan's sitting back there. So many others. You pour into my life. And uh, I would not be who I am if you were not a part of my life. Thank you, River of Life, for who you are. Thank for these young people over here today. Amen. Hold on. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all got your Bible with you this morning? Uh, take it up and shake it at the devil. That'll make him mad right off the bat. Amen. Now, some of you need to turn yours on. Go ahead and do that. Second Timothy chapter number three. Second Timothy chapter number I like carrying a Bible. It upsets some folks. I uh, well, had the privilege of talking to Brother Joe Arthur the other day, and uh, he was flying out of Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, Brother Joe lives up there in Jonesburg, Georgia, and just flies all over the country preaching wherever God opens the door. And, uh, he was sitting there, and in the process of sitting there, this lady... Well-to-do lady, obviously, hairdo, whole nine yards. She looked over at Joe, and Joe's like I am. He's got this just about with him everywhere he goes. And so he's got it open. He's reading it. And she looks over at him and said, is that a Bible? And Brother Joe looked at her and said, yes, ma'am, it is. She says, you look like an educated man. Do you really believe that Bible? He said, yes, ma'am, I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. And sometimes I'll just read the concordance. <laughs> she says, well, to each his own. He looked at her and he says, uh, can I ask you a question, ma'am? She said, yes. He says, can you fly a 747 airplane? looked at him kind of funny and said that's an odd question but no I cannot fly a 747 airplane why do you ask he said well it just so happens that I know the pilot he's a member of my church we had prayer just a few minutes ago and I just want you to know that if the rapture happens according to this Bible <laughs> he and I are leaving Y'all have fun. Amen. Oh, I love this book, don't you? When I was a little boy, it was the B-I-B-L-E. Well, that's the book for me. I'll put my trust in the Word of God. You and I need to come to an understanding nowadays that this book is as up-to-date and relevant today 
as it ever has been, as it was the day that it was written. When you begin, listen, if you'll read the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit of God to begin to guide you into all truth, which is what he has told you he would do in John chapter number 16, it will amaze you how the Word of God comes to life. A fellow by the name of Ward Cushman wrote an article uh, it's been several years ago now, but talking about the rel relevancy of the Word of God in our day and in our time. And this is what he wrote. First, he said, the Word of God is a living book. The, the, the Bible is described as God breathed. How can a book be alive? In Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Word of God says that God took man and, and formed him from the dust of the ground and then breathed into that dust and that dust became a living soul. That's an impossibility. No, that's just our God. The second thing he said, he says, the wisdom of the Bible is timeless. When we read of the wisdom of Solomon, when we read of the wisdom of Jesus in Mark chapter number 12, we are still marveling at it even today. The Word of God, alive, relevant. And then he said this, the accuracy of the Bible is beyond question. I've heard people describe the Bible as being some old fable some old archaic words, something that people just put together to help them because they didn't have enough sense to help themselves. I've heard people say that. And yet this article states that the Bible isn't a history or a geography book, but it contains historical and geographical details. It's fascinating that no factual data from the Bible has ever been disproved by historians or archaeologists. To the contrary... But discoveries continue to validate the facts in the Bible once thought to be wrong by secular scholars. The message of the Bible is clear. The Word of God is compelling and current. And as you read the Word of God, it's almost like you're reading the newspaper. You got your Bible there in front of you? 2 Timothy chapter number 3 Verse number one, for those of you who uh, you showed up to the table to eat without a fork, it'll be up here on the screen. <laughs> it's only going to get worse, brother. <laughs> this know that in the last days, when? The last days. That's when you and I are alive right now. These are the last days. Notice what he said. Perilous times shall come. According to Warren Wiersbe in his commentary, that little phrase, perilous times, is only found one other time in all of Scripture. Luke chapter 5 talks about a demon of Gadara, and it says that he was exceedingly fierce. The days and times in which you and I find ourselves living in are exceedingly fierce. The Bible goes further to say, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, 
blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection. They'll be truth breakers and false accusers and incontinent and fierce and despisers of those that are good. They will be traitors. They'll be heady. They'll be high-minded. They'll be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You'd think I was reading the local newspaper. Days of depravity when men's thinking is not clear. When the I think of man displaces the word of God. In these days, days when vile wickedness is paraded down the main street. Jesus makes the statement in Luke's gospel, the 17th chapter. Over in verses number 26 through 33. He says, as it was in the days of Noah. What was it like back then, preacher? Those were days when the preaching of the word of God did nothing. Do you understand that for 120 years, Noah preached the Bible, the righteousness of a holy God, the judgment that was coming upon this world for 120 years? And the day came when God said, all right, get inside. And Noah and Sham and Ham and Japheth and Mrs. Noah and Mrs. Sham and Mrs. Ham and Mrs. Japheth, they all huddled together on the inside of that ark. And the Bible says, for seven days, not one single person walked up that ramp to join them. And then God shut the door. And your Bible says in the book of the Revelation, when God shuts it, no one can open it. And the judgment of God fell. But Jesus went further. He says, not only will it be like the days of Noah, it'll also be like the days of Sodom. What was it like during the time of Lot? Lot was an individual that had been raised around Abraham. The Bible called Abraham the friend of God. Abraham talked with God like a man talked with him, his neighbor face to face. And yet Lot in seeing all of that jettisoned all of it for a little bit of profit. He looked at the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah and he counted that worth more than the influence that that evil generation would have on his children. Y'all still glad you're here this morning? You and I need to realize that what we put our kids through comes back to, we're going to reap that crop. Say amen right there. And they're watching every move that we make. And the Bible says the day came when the angel of the Lord came into Lot's house and said, hey, God's fixing to destroy this place and you need to get your family and get out of here before you fall with them into the judgment of God. And Lot gets up and goes out to his sons-in-laws, plural. That means he had more than one. And he said unto them, you need to get out of here. God is fixing to rain down judgment on this place. And the Bible says that they looked at him as though he was mocking or making a joke. They saw the way he lived. They saw the way he acted. He's sitting in gates and he's judging these people. And now he wants to run from the judgment of God. Oh, no, dear friend, in that day. According to the Bible, it'll be a day of depravity like never we've seen before. Ezekiel chapter 16 makes this statement. This is the sin of thy sister Sodom. Pride. Pride. 
Oh, you may not know it. I get to travel around, Sister Linda and I do, and we go in a lot of churches. You're not going to believe this, but I know some preachers that can strut sitting down. (laughs) I've never seen a day in my life when the house of God was so filled with what we're doing. The reason we can't get together with the church down the street or the church over on the other side of the country is because we're so full of who we are instead of full of who he is. Help me, somebody. Come on now. The Bible said, this was the sin of thy sister Sodom, pride, a fullness of bread, an abundance of idleness. They helped not the poor and the needy. They strengthened not the hand of the poor and needy. And they committed abominations. And so I took them away as I saw fit. Let me read to you just a, y'all still, y'all still with me, are you? I thought I saw several people heading for the door, Brother Henry. I'm reading the revelant word of God. My wife, when I get home today, she's going to teach me how to say that word correctly. Relevant word of God, beginning in verse number, uh, Oh, goodness, Romans chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that, they, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by those things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God. They were vain, and they, they were, they, neither were they thankful. They became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to the uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They changed the truth of God into a lie. You know, you got churches right now celebrating gay pride. Churches! They changed the truth of God into a lie. They worshiped and served the creator, creator more than the creator who is blessed forever. And for this cause, God gave them up into vile affection. For even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemingly and receiving in themselves the just recompense of their error, which was meat." not making any friends here this morning. It's just the Word of God. Just the Bible. Listen to what he said. 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. What does that mean? Days of depravity. You youngins have seen more in your lifetime than I saw in the first 50 years of my lifetime. 
things have changed. Pornography is rampant in this country. Television. God help us. Back in the early 60s, the old-fashioned preachers got up and told us, get that thing out of your house. It's a portal to hell itself. And we laughed at them old fuddy-duddies. We, we thought, oh, them old they sticks in the mud. Squares. But look what they've done to our homes. Look what they've done to our children. Look what they've done to our marriages. The example that Hollywood has set before this nation and the example that this nation has been has bought into has overwhelming ramifications. It's as though you took and threw a rock into a river and the ripples are still going out from it. Days of depravity. But let's read a little bit further. The Bible says there in verse number five, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Can I ask you a question? Has the world ever had any power? And the answer to that is no. The only power in this world is the Lord. In fact, what you find when you study the Bible is that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Jesus said that. Paul wrote it. He says the power of, of, of God is salvation. And then in Acts chapter 1, outside of Jerusalem, Jesus has been resurrected. He's now ascending into the heavens. But right before he goes, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, Jesus said this, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost part of the earth. But look at this verse. This verse is no longer talking, I believe, it's no longer talking about the world. It's talking about the church. He says, you've got a form of godliness. You look like something that you're really not. Why? Because you have denied the power of the Almighty God to work in you. You've got to a place, church, where, where it's more important to be in fellowship with one another than it is to be in fellowship with Him. It's more important to have big numbers and great offerings than it is to one day realize we'll stand before Him and give an account for the way we've used the church in this day and this hour. That's the reason I'm so proud to tell people I'm a member of the River of Life. Amen? Amen. That's a church where you can go and hear the Word of God. Amen? Not interested in social contacts. I don't even carry a business card. I am available for weddings and birthdays. (laughs) No, 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 dear friend. Listen to what he said. Just like the church of Laodicea, they became self-satisfied to the point that the power of God was forfeited. Forfeited. The oven is on, but there's not any fire in it. We're in the process of going through the, the, the dealing. No wonder the world doesn't have any respect for us. 
Listen, it's one thing when the world acts like the world. They'll do it 100% of the time. But dear friend, when the church, blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ, lowers its standards to the point that we act like the world and you can't tell any difference from us and the world on Monday morning, we have denied the power of an almighty God. If our lives are not lived out in a changed fashion, what hope do they have? And then he goes further for the sake of time. Days of depravity, days of deadness. Now, notice, if you will, verse number 12. He says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus, in John's Gospel, the 16th chapter, says, In this world, you're going to have tribulation. 1 Peter chapter number 4 the Word of God says that if any man suffer as a Christian. How y'all doing with that suffering for Christ? R.G. Lee, over 30 years ago, made the statement. He said the problem with Christianity in our day, no one wants to kill us anymore. We're friends with everybody. We accept everything and deny nothing. Just come make yourself at home. This is what, this is what Paul wrote 2,000 years ago. He said in the last days, perilous times will come. There'll be days of depravity, days of deadness, days of difficulty. Let me give you another one real quick. Days of deception. Listen to what he says, verse number 13. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse and deceive and being deceived. I hate to drink in front of you. I threw my back out early this morning. I've taken a handful of pills. If I fall out, forgive me. <laughs> but my mouth is so dry, I can't even spit cotton. Somebody say amen right there. Days, according to the word of God, of deception. When men call good evil and evil good. I was listening this morning. And I am thoroughly convinced that our president, our government, think that the problem in America is me and you. They think that Christians are the problem. And all of that was introduction. I've got about five and a half minutes to give you my message. Would you look at what Paul wrote here in verse number 14. In the days of depravity and deception and the days of deadness, do what? But continue. Continue in what, preacher? 
Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, and knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I was watching. Do y'all ever watch boxing? We got a few old folks. Just suddenly, this, this came to me the other day, okay? They got two guys out there, and they're trying to beat each other to death. I don't, number one, I don't like that. But anyway, in the process of this fight, there's, there's a word, a, a, a slogan maybe. Maybe that's the way I say it. Throw in the towel. You ever heard that? That's where it comes from, boxing. Do you know that in all of my understanding and, and, and the history that I have in watching boxing, I've never, throw, I've never seen a boxer throw in the towel. If the towel comes, it comes from the coach or the trainer over in the corner. What right do you have as a born-again child of God to throw in your towel because somebody stepped on your toes? If he's the coach and he is the trainer and if he knows the way that we go and if he's in the process of ordering the steps of a good man and if he is the one that the Bible says is taking and using us for his honor and for his glory, if you've crawled up on the altar of sacrifice and said, God, it's not my life anymore, it's your life. If you've come to that place where everything is important to him and nothing is important to you, what right have you got to throw in the towel? I know it's bad. I'm telling you, the days we're living in right now, it just burned the fuzz off your peanuts. Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> I mean, how, we sometimes, we don't do it all the time, we sometimes listen to the news. And Linda looks at me and said, what did he just say? <laughs> but... Continue. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That he, as God, hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Don't throw in your towel, dear friend. Continue on for the glory of God. Our salvation is assured. Paul wrote in First Timothy, Second Timothy one, in verse number twelve, "I know in whom I have believed, and I love this, and I am persuaded that He is able. He's able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day." Continue. Understand that our strength. Is greater than any strength that the world has got. You got your Bible, Second Timothy chapter two, verse number one. The Bible says, "This know all." Excuse me, chapter two, verse number one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Listen, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. Nothing is going to come against him to dethrone him. He is all-powerful. 
He is both the lily of the valley and he is the rose of Sharon. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the chief shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. And he is my shepherd. He is my refuge. He is my shelter in the midst of the storm. And when the perilous times of life come upon you and you're standing there looking at an empty billfold wondering how in the world you're ever going to buy lunch, know this, if you're saved, he owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. And if need be, he'll take some to the slaughterhouse for you. Say amen right there. He is an unfailing God. And then this, and I'll close with this. Chapter 4 of 2 Timothy is the last words that we have of the Apostle Paul. He's in prison when he writes all of this. And his day has come. And so he makes this statement beginning in verse number 7. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, because of this, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all of them that love his appearing. He's coming. Here's something that the church will never have to put up with. You'll never see this on a church sign. It'll never be the headline in a paper. Due to present circumstances, the second coming of the Lord has been canceled. <laughs> I know it's dark. I know that these are the days of depravity and doubt and deadness. But he's coming. One day, one glorious daybreak, God the Father is going to say to God the Son, get your bride. And he'll step out upon the ramparts of heaven. And he'll be called, I'll be called up together. We're going to meet him in the air. Amen. Now, I, I, I'm, you know, there, there's a song in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. It, it says, O oh, grave, where is thy victory? Death, where is thy sting? Well, that's two things. That's two separate things. Don't run them together. Grave, where is thy victory? Is for those who have been buried and they resurrected. Hallelujah. Death, where is thy sting? Is for those of us who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. For we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and call us to be with Jesus. That's the one I'm singing. Amen. Amen. That's what I'm holding on to. I want to be with him. But until, until that day, continue. Never slack up. Never let down. You're not going to believe this. The other day somebody called me a dinosaur. I'm getting a little older. This year I'll be 70, I know. Some of you that takes y'all completely by surprise. I think I even heard some people in the back gasp when I said that. I don't want to quit. I'm praying 
and your pastor is praying with me that I would be able to accomplish and that he would be able to accomplish more these days than we ever have in all of our life. We want to reach more people. I've got a, a daily devotion that God is blessing. Last Thursday, I got a letter from New Zealand from somebody who's been listening to our devotions. You never know. I just say, God, please. And he says, continue. Just keep doing what you're doing. Walk straight. Stand tall. Carry your Bible. Never know when some lost person might want to know, is that a Bible? And tell people about Jesus. There's very, this is a good crowd. And I just, I just, I got to tell you, if everything I know about this Bible is true, and I believe it is, as the old man said, from kiver to kiver, if it's true, then Jesus is going to come. And he's coming without warning. At a time when men say that there will be peace and safety, then shall he come like a thief in the night. Now hear me. If you're not saved, you'll be left behind. And if I understand 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, you'll never have another opportunity to be saved. Right now, Right now, you can be saved. And you can know that you're saved. But after the rapture, the day of grace is over. You can't continue if you've not been birthed into the family of God. You have no power straight but when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior preacher that sounds like a pretty good deal I'd like to get in on that let me tell you what you got to do first and foremost you must admit the fact that you are a sinner that you fall short of the glory of God and then you must repent I don't know, somehow through the ages we've got out of preaching repentance. But repentance is mentioned 969 times in this Bible. It means to turn around. I'm not going to do that anymore. You say, well, preacher, I've done that a thousand times. Yes, in your strength, you fail. But when you ask him to come in and take over, And the president, the Holy Spirit of God, comes in and takes up residence. And the resident becomes president. And the effect becomes evident. Then call on the name of the Lord. In sincere prayer, Father, 
I'm a sinner. I fall short. Father, I don't, I repent. I don't want to face eternity without you. In fact, I don't want to face another day in this world without you. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he loved me enough to die for me, and that if I will believe with my heart and confess him with my mouth, I shall be saved. Would you bow your head with me, please? Father God, I don't know who's here today, but I do know that you know. Your word said that you needeth not that any would testify of man because you know what's in man. Father God, right now, if there are those under the sound of my voice that have, they don't have it settled, they've not been saved, they know it. The Holy Spirit of God has dealt with their heart and they truly need to be saved and they want to be saved. Don't let them leave forward. Head there bowed, please, eyes are... Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850 926 one two zero zero or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com we also want to encourage you to visit us this sunday morning at 10 30 a.m in crawfordville please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions